After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz in Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Israhil Aziz stated, The companion whose accounts I shall narrate today is Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. His name was Muad and the name of his father was Jabal bin Amr and his mother was Hind bint Sahal who belonged to the Rabah branch of the Juhayna tribe. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal's title was Abdul Rahman and he belonged to the Uday bin Saad bin Ali branch of the Khazraj tribe. The author of Sayyurus Sahaba i.e. the life of the companions writes that Saad bin Ali had two sons, Salama and Uday. Banu Salama is the progeny of Salama, and during the era of Islam, only two individuals from the progeny of Hazrat Uday bin Saad remained. They were Hazrat Muaz and his son Abdul Rahman. The houses of Banu Uday were situated in the neighborhood of Banu Salama. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was of extremely fair complexion had a beautiful countenance, bright teeth and beautiful eyes. Amongst his people, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal was considered the most beautiful, youthful and generous person. Abu Nuaym relates that Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal was more compassionate, modest and generous than any other youth of the Ansar. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated in the second pledge of initiation at Aqaba along with 70 other Ansar and he was 18 years old when he accepted Islam. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated alongside the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in all the battles including the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandaq. When he participated in the battle of Badr he was 20 or 21 years of age and his stepbrother, i.e. they were born to the same mother that had different fathers, was Hazrat Abdullah bin Jad, and he also participated in the Battle of Badr. According to Usdul Ghaba, his stepbrother's name was Sahal bin Muhammad bin Jad, and Sahal belonged to Banu Salama, therefore they also counted him among their tribe. When the Muhajireen of Makkah migrated to Medina, 
The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, formed a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud and Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal. This is the only reference that can be found in this regard from the various books of history. After accepting Islam, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu along with the youth of Banu Salama, broke the idols of their tribe. This particular incident of how he broke the idols of his family has previously been mentioned once before, whilst narrating the accounts of another companion, and I will mention it again. Hazrat Amr bin Jammu had placed an idol made out of wood in his home, and he named it Manad and would show great respect to it and revere it. On the occasion of the second pledge of initiation at Aqaba, some youth from Banu Salama also pledged their allegiance. Among them was Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and the son of Amr had also pledged his allegiance. This incident that I'm quoting has previously been mentioned in relation to Muaz bin Amr. It is narrated that Hazrat Amr bin Jammu's son devised a plan to call his father towards Islam. And so, he would take the idol of Hazrat Amr, which he had placed in his home, and throw it in a pit or a pile of rubbish. He would seek the assistance of some youths in this regard, and Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu was among them as well. In any case, one day he threw the idol into the pit of rubbish, and Hazrat Amr found it and brought it back home and said, that if I come to know who is doing this to my idol, I will punish him severely. The following day, these young men did the same with the idol and it was once again lying face down in the pit. Amr once again picked it up and brought it back and on the third day, he cleaned the idol again and placed it in his home. But this time he hung his sword around the idol and addressing the idol, he said, that by God I am not aware who is doing this to you, but I am leaving a sword with you so that you may protect yourself. You now have a sword. And so, the following day, Hazrat Amr noticed that the idol was once again not in its place and found it in the very pit in the local area, but this time it was tied to the neck of a dead dog. Seeing this, he was taken aback and became extremely concerned and was compelled to ponder over the fact that the idol he considered to be a god and had placed in his home did not even have the strength and power to protect itself, even with a sword by its side. How then could it possibly protect him? Furthermore, it was lying around the neck of a dead dog. Thus, he deeply reflected that how could this possibly be a god? Nevertheless, this incident was the cause for his inclination towards Islam and later accepting the message of Islam. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu's love and devotion to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, can also be gauged by the fact that when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned to Medina following the Battle of Ahud, sounds of wailing and lamenting could be heard in the streets. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked that what is this? They replied that these are the wives of the Ansar who are weeping for their martyrs. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, 
But is there no one to weep for Hamza? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then prayed for the forgiveness of Hazrat Hamza. When Hazrat Saad bin Muad, Hazrat Saad bin Ubada, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Ruwaha radiallahu anhum heard this, they went to their respective neighborhoods and gathered the women of Medina who were wailing and weeping. They then said, that no one shall now mourn over the martyrs of the Ansar until they have mourned over the uncle of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, because he said that there was no one in Medina to mourn over Hazrat Hamza. This was their love and devotion to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, upon seeing that he was in pain due to the martyrdom of Hazrat Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And although lamenting and wailing over a departed one is forbidden, but the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, permitted it in this instance, or perhaps having witnessed the emotions of the people, he also expressed his wish for them to also express the emotions for Hazrat Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But in any case, wailing and lamenting is generally forbidden in Islam, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, himself forbade it. After the conquest of Mecca, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went to Hunan. Hunan is a valley situated northeast of Mecca near Taif. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, kept Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal in Mecca so that he could teach the people of Mecca about Islam and the Holy Quran. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, fully participated in the Battle of Tabuk. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, inquired about Hazrat Qab bin Malik, who at the time had remained behind in Medina, a man from the Banu Salama tribe spoke ill of Hazrat Qab bin Malik. And so in response, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu reproached him and said, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we only see good in him, we don't see anything bad. Such was their standard of morals that they would not speak ill of someone behind their back. Qatada relates that he heard Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu say that in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, four people compiled the Holy Quran who were all among the Ansar. These were Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit and Hazrat Abu Zaid radiallahu anhu. And Hazrat Abu Zaid was the paternal uncle of Hazrat Anas. Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhuma narrates that he heard the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him say that learn the Quran from four people. They are Ibn Masood, Salim the freed slave of Abu Hudayfa, Ubay bin Kaab and Muad bin Jabal radiallahu anhu. This narration I have just cited is from Sahih al-Bukhari. It has previously been detailed in relation to Hazrat Qab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, in which Hazrat Muslim radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated in one instance that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, appointed a group of teachers who taught the Holy Quran. They learned and memorized the entire Holy Quran from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and then taught it to others. These were four esteemed teachers who were responsible for learning the Holy Quran from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and then teaching it to others. And there were many other companions under them who would also teach the Holy Quran to others. 
The names of these four esteemed teachers are Abdullah bin Mas'ud, Salim the freed slave of Abu Hudayfa, Muad bin Jabal and Ubay bin Kaab The first two were Muhajirin and the latter two were Ansar. With regards to their work, Abdullah bin Mas'ud was a labourer, Salim was a freed slave, while Muad bin Jabal and Ubay bin Kaab were chieftains of Medina. Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, appointed Qaris, i.e. reciters, keeping in view every member of society. It is narrated in a hadith that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, used to say, Khudul Qur'ana min al-arba'atin min Abdullah bin Mas'udin wa Salimin wa Mu'ad bin Jabal wa Ubay bin Ka'ab. That is, anyone who desires to read the Qur'an should learn from the following four individuals, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, Salim, Mu'ad bin Jabal and Ubay bin Ka'ab. These were the four people who either learned the entire Qur'an from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, or would recite it before him to ensure they did not make any mistake. But aside from them, there were also many other companions who learned various portions of the Holy Qur'an directly from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. It is related in another narration that on one occasion when Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was reciting the Qur'an, he pronounced the word differently. Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu stopped him and said that it should be pronounced in such and such manner. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud stated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had taught him to pronounce it in that very manner. And so Hazrat Umar took him to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and complained that he did not recite the Qur'an correctly. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, O Abdullah bin Mas'ud, recite. When he recited the Holy Qur'an, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that he was reciting correctly. Thereupon, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu submitted, that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, you told me to pronounce the word differently. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, told him that his way was also correct. This shows that in addition to the four companions who learned the Holy Qur'an from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, there were others also. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu's submission that he had been taught to pronounce a certain word in a particular way shows that he too used to learn the Qur'an from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that from among my Ummah, the most merciful to them is Abu Bakr. The one who most strictly adheres to the religion of Allah is Umar. And the most modest of them is Usman. And the best decision maker of them is Ali bin Abi Talib. And the most knowledgeable of them of the Holy Quran is Ubay bin Kaab. And the most knowledgeable of them of what is lawful and unlawful is Muad bin Jabal. And the most knowledgeable of them of the obligatory matters is Zaid bin Sabit. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated that, listen, every nation has an Amin, i.e. custodian, and the Amin of my nation is Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah. This narration has previously been mentioned as well in a similar manner. Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated 
that what an excellent man is Abu Bakr, what an excellent man is Umar, what an excellent man is Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah, what an excellent man is Usaid bin Hudayr, and what an excellent man is Sabit bin Qais bin Shammas, and what an excellent man is Muaz bin Jabal, and what an excellent man is Muaz bin Amr bin Al-Jamu. This is a narration of Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took hold of his hand one day and said, O Muaz, by Allah I love you. Hazrat Muaz radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, and may my parents be sacrificed for you, I too love you. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then said, O Muad, I advise you to never forget to recite after every prayer, Allahumma inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatika. That is, O Allah, help me remember you, to be grateful to you, and to worship you in an excellent manner. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him stated Shall I not tell you about one of the doors to paradise? Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu submitted of course the Holy Prophet peace be upon him said to recite la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah that there is no might nor power except with Allah. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that he once inquired from the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as to what is the most excellent kind of faith. The Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him replied that the most excellent faith is to love Allah and to hate only for the sake of Allah and to occupy your tongue in the remembrance of Allah. Hazrat Muaz radiallahu ta'ala anhu then asked O Messenger of Allah peace and blessings of Allah be upon him what else? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, Love for others what you love for yourself. You must like for others that which you like for yourself, and you must dislike for them that which you dislike for yourself. Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah narrates that Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu would pray with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and then return to his tribe and lead them in prayer. He would first come to Masjid Nabwi and offer prayers there, after which he would return to his home and lead his people in prayer. This is a narration from Sahih al-Bukhari. Hazrat Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that Hazrat Muaz would offer prayers with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and then would return to his people and lead them in prayers. One evening, he offered the Isha prayers behind the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. When he returned to his people, he led them in prayers and began reciting Surah Al-Baqarah, i.e. chapter 2 of the Holy Qur'an. Upon this, one person separated himself from the congregation and recited Salam, i.e. to indicate the end of prayer, and began to pray on his own. When he saw that a lengthy chapter is being recited, he said Salam and began to offer the prayer on his own. Seeing him do this, the people called out his name and said, And have you become a hypocrite? They admonished him for leaving the congregational prayer and praying on his own and asked him whether he had become a hypocrite. Upon this, he replied, That no, by God I am not a hypocrite, 
and I will certainly go to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and inform him of what I have done. If I was a hypocrite, I would have hid myself to offer the prayers, but I will certainly inform the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, of all of this. Subsequently, he came to see the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and said, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. We transport water from one place to another on our camels and ensure people have water in their homes. Thus, we work all day long. Hazrat Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu offered the Isha prayers with you and then came to his own neighborhood and began reciting Surah Al-Baqarah. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, turned towards Hazrat Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu and said, O Mu'ad, do you wish to place the people in trial? Why do you cause hardship for the people? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then advised what to recite and repeated it again. According to the narration of Hazrat Jabir, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that you ought to recite Surah Shams, Surah Duha, Surah Al-Layl and Surah Al-Ala. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mentioned these four chapters as an example and this is a narration of Sahih Muslim. There is a narration in Sahih Bukhari as follows. Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah Ansari radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that one evening a man was taking his camels which would transport water and coincidentally he saw that Hazrat Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu was leading prayers in the mosque. And so upon seeing him he tied down his camels and began offering prayers behind Hazrat Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Mu'ad began reciting Surah Al-Baqarah or Surah An-Nisa. And so the man stopped his prayers and left. The man later found out that Hazrat Mu'ad was displeased by this act of his. Hence, he came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and complained about Hazrat Mu'ad. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to Hazrat Mu'ad three times, O Mu'ad, you wish to put the people through a grave trial. Why do you put the people through difficulty by reciting such long surahs, i.e. chapters of the Holy Qur'an? Why do you not recite Surah Al-Ala, Surah Shams, Surah Duha, or Surah Al-Layl? Because in the congregation behind you, there are elderly people, some are weak, and there are also those who have other needs. As mentioned earlier, this is a narration of Sahih Bukhari. In light of the advice of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him to Hazrat Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu about reciting shorter surahs in congregational prayers, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II writes that it was the preference of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him to recite Surah Al-Ala, Surah Al-Ghashiyah, Surah Al-Fajr and other similar surahs in terms of length in obligatory prayers. Nisai has related from Hazrat Jabir that once Hazrat Mu'ad bin Jabal was leading the prayers. A person came and joined in the congregational prayers behind him. Hazrat Mu'ad prolonged the prayers and according to some narrations, he began to recite Surah Ali Imran or Surah An-Nisa. When the prayer became prolonged, the individual stopped his prayers and moving to one side began to pray on his own. When he concluded his prayer, he left. And after the prayer finished, Someone informed Hazrat Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala of what had happened in that one person came and joined the prayer but when the prayer became prolonged he stopped the prayer and moving to one side he began to pray on his own 
and after he finished his prayer, he then left. Hazrat Muad stated that perhaps he was a hypocrite and then related the entire incident to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. In this narration, Hazrat Muslim has stated that Hazrat Muaz himself went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And he stated that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I was leading the prayer when such and such person joined the prayer. But when the prayer became prolonged, he left the prayer and began to pray on his own and then left once he had finished. When the person against whom the complaint was raised found out that the incident had been mentioned to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he also came to see the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I came to offer the prayers and joined in when he, Ayy Hazrat Muaz, was leading the prayers. However, he prolonged the prayers. We work all day long and my camel was also tied up without any food. Therefore, I stopped praying in congregation and prayed on my own to one side of the mosque. I then returned home and then fed my camel. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was displeased with Hazrat Muaz and said to him, O Muad, you will place the people in great difficulty. Why do you not recite Surah Al-A'la, Surah Shams, Surah Duha, Surah Al-Fajr or Surah Al-Layl? Why do you not recite these chapters? And why did you choose to recite the longer chapters? Thus, from this incident we can conclude that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has deemed these aforementioned chapters of average length. Indeed, under special conditions one may recite the longer chapters, or when one is unwell, they may recite even shorter chapters. However, these chapters are of average length, which ought to be recited during the prayers in which the Imam recites a portion of the Holy Quran out aloud. But at the same time, it should also be remembered that this does not mean that only these chapters can be recited. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has given a general instruction that one should not recite long chapters in congregational prayers. However, one can recite the chapters according to their own circumstances or according to what they have learnt. Some people have memorized shorter chapters and because there is nobody else to lead the congregational prayer, they have to lead the prayers. Therefore, it is permissible for them to recite shorter chapters as well. However, the general instructions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is that longer chapters are not to be recited in the congregational prayers because there are various people in the congregation, some are elderly, some are unwell, or work long hours. Hazrat Muad bin Jabal relates that I was riding behind the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and there was nothing between him and me but the rear part of the saddle, when he said, O Muaz bin Jabal, to which I replied, I am present, O Messenger of Allah, and at your service. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, travelled for a short while, when again he said, O Muaz bin Jabal, to which I replied, I am present, O Messenger of Allah, and I am at your service. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then again travelled for a short while, and again said, O Muaz bin Jabal, to which I replied, I am present, O Messenger of Allah, and I am at your service. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, Do you know what right Allah has upon his servants? I submitted, Allah and his Messenger, peace be upon him, know best. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, Verily the right of Allah of his servants is that they should worship him and not associate anything with him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then rode a short distance, and then said, O Muaz bin Jabal, to which I replied, I am present, O Messenger of Allah, and I am at your service. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, that Do you know what rights the servants have upon Allah? Firstly, people must fulfill the rights they owe to Allah the Almighty, and when they fulfill these rights and act accordingly, then people have rights over God Almighty. And so, Hazrat 
Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied that Allah and his messenger know best. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then stated that it is that Allah will not punish them. When people obey Allah the Almighty's commandments, then they are granted the right that Allah the Almighty will then not punish them. This is a narration of Sahih Muslim. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that I was once travelling in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Whilst we were on the journey, I came to him and asked, O Messenger of Allah, tell me of a deed which will take me to paradise and will keep me away from the hellfire. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that you have asked me about a great matter indeed, yet it is attainable for whom Allah makes it easy for. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then stated that worship Allah and do not associate any partners with Him. Observe prayer, pay the zakat, fast in the month of Ramadan, and perform the pilgrimage to the house of Allah. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then stated, that shall I not inform you about the doors to attain goodness? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then explained, I shall inform you about the doors to attain goodness. Fasting is a shield, and charity washes away sins just as water extinguishes a fire. And for one to offer prayers in the middle of the night, i.e. to offer the tahajjud prayers. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then recited the following verse of the Holy Qur'an. تَتَجَافَ جُنُوبُهُمْ عَنِ الْمَذَاجِئِ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ خَوْفًا وَطَمَعًا وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ فَلَا تَعْلَمُ نَفْسٌ مَا أُخْفِيَ لَهُمْ مِنْ قُرَّةِ آئِيُنٍ جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ That is, their sides keep away from their beds and they call on their Lord in fear and hope and spend out of what we have bestowed on them and no soul knows what joy of the eye is kept hidden for them as a reward for their good works. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then further stated, Shall I not inform you of the best deed, its pillar and its peak? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then stated, It is to perform jihad. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, Shall I not tell you the foundation of all this? In other words, the fundamental matter upon which everything rests. I replied, Yes, O Messenger of Allah. And so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took hold of his tongue and stated to restrain this. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, held his tongue and said one ought to restrain it. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that I submitted, O Prophet of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Will we be held accountable for what we say with it? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, That may Allah bless you, O Muad, for there is nothing that throws people into the hellfire upon their faces except what you reap from your tongues. Meaning, passing harsh and hurtful remarks or injuring one's sentiments through their words is something that can lead to quarrels. And furthermore, it can lead to many other evils. And so, whether one's words are the cause of evil 
will become a means of spreading evil and sin, then according to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it will cause them to be thrown into the hellfire on their faces. Therefore, one ought to be mindful of what they say and use their tongue and words to spread virtuous deeds. Hazrat Kaab bin Malik narrates that Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal anhu would pass edicts, i.e. fatwa, during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and also during the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu in Medina. Muhammad bin Sahal bin Abi Khasma narrates on the authority of his father that during the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's life, three men from the Ansar and three men from among the Muhajireen would pass edicts. They were Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Usman, Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, and Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit. Abdul Rahman bin Qasim narrates from his father that whenever Hazrat Abu Bakr would be faced with a matter in which he needed to consult with those who possessed good judgment and knowledge of jurisprudence, he would call individuals from among the Muhajireen and the Ansar. And these included Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Usman, Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, and Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit. All of these individuals would issue the fatwas, i.e. edicts, during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr In other words, they formed the jurisprudential committees and were permitted to issue edicts based on their knowledge they had received from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. During the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal migrated to Syria and settled there. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal's departure had left a void in Medina and amongst the people of Medina in the field of jurisprudence and in those matters regarding which he would issue edicts. Hazrat Umar requested Hazrat Abu Bakr that he should stop him from leaving as people greatly needed him. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu refused, saying that he could not stop anyone who had made a decision and desired to embrace martyrdom. Hazrat Umar anhu then stated that by God one can attain martyrdom even whilst laying on their bed. Sur bin Yazid relates that when Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal anhu would offer the tahajjud prayer in the night, he would recite the following prayer. O oh Allah, my eyes are asleep whilst the stars are shining brightly. You are the living, the self-subsisting and all-sustaining. O oh Allah, my desire to attain paradise is lacking and I am weak and lack the strength to escape from the hellfire. O oh Allah, enable me to become among the guided and save this for it to be granted to me on the day of judgment. Surely you do not go against your promise. In other words, this was the level of fear he had. Hazrat Anas bin Malik relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated to Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, whilst he was sat behind the Holy Prophet on the saddle, O Muaz bin Jabal. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal anhu replied, O Messenger of Allah, I am here at your service. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, O Muaz. Again he submitted, O Messenger of Allah, I am here at your service. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, again called his name and he replied, O Messenger of Allah, I am here at your service. After calling his name out three times, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Whoever with the sincerity of their heart testifies 
that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah, then Allah will surely safeguard him from the hellfire. Upon this, Hazrat Muaz submitted, O Messenger of Allah, shall I not convey this to the others, as it will be a source of joy for them? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, Then they will only rely on this one thing and abandon all other virtues. Therefore do not tell this to others. Hazrat Muaz only revealed this saying of the Holy Prophet at the time of his demise, and even then only did so, lest he committed a sin for not having conveyed the words of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muaz felt that he ought to convey this saying to the scholars of the time, but did not do this while he was alive and in good health. Hazrat Waliullah Shah Sahib has written about this in the commentary of Bukhari. There were certain ahadith in relation to a subject, and whilst mentioning those, he also included this particular hadith as well, and stated that this particular intellectual statement is only addressed to certain people because others could suffer greatly on account of failing to understand its proper meaning. It is not enough to simply proclaim that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, and then assume that there is no need to carry out any other deed. In reality, this has become the condition of the Muslims, who are Muslim in name only. They recite the kalima, i.e. the declaration of faith, and fail to carry out any other deed. As a Shah Sahib then further writes, this hadith has explained that there is a particular context to such statements. Shah Sahib was mentioning various hadith, and this particular hadith was also included in that. He then further writes, Another authentic tradition narrated by Hazrat Ibn Mas'ud has been recorded in Sahih Muslim, which is as follows Ma anta bi muhaddisin qawman hadithan la yabluhu uquluhum illa kana libazihim fitna. The gist of the aforementioned sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is that one should address people in accordance to their intellect and level of understanding, because certain statements can lead to fitna. Shah Sahib has given further explanation as well, but they are related to the other narrations, so I will leave them as they are quite detailed. But in any case, he further on writes that we see that how the so-called believers have made the mere verbal declaration of there is none worthy of worship except Allah, i.e. the Kalima, as a way of freeing mankind from enduring the hardships of the Sharia by granting them a certificate for their faith and whilst showing a complete disregard to all other religious obligations. Every Mulvi, a Muslim cleric who delivers sermons from his pulpit claims that whoever offers their prayers behind him and recites the Kalima he will be granted the certificate of faith and there is no need to do anything else. He further writes, It was in the presence of these very believers who gave verbal testimony of their faith that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated in the latter days, faith will neither be in their hearts nor uttered from their tongues, rather it will ascend into the heavens. He then also stated the hadith regarding the kalima in this context. Then, whilst quoting the following narration, that one who abstains from every kind of shirk by idolatry right till his death will enter paradise, Shah Sahib further writes, that the wisdom behind the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, repeatedly calling Hazrat Muaz's name and then remaining silent upon his response, was in order to arouse his interest and passion to listen to the words of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him.
Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, only told him this once he was fully attentive and eager to listen. Shah Sahib then further writes, This was so that he would be able to truly understand what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was going to say, and so it would leave an impression on him. Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, repeated his name three times in order to draw his attention on this matter. On the other hand, Hazrat Muaz greatly honoured what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, and did not disclose this to anyone except towards the end of his life, and even then it was only in fear of being held accountable by Allah the Almighty for not having conveyed something of knowledge to at least the scholars of the time. Today, Muslims profess to be believers and although they recite the kalima and believe that they are free from shirk, however their hearts are filled with all kinds of shirk. They place their trust in worldly material and if the true state were to be real of the prominent religious speakers as well, their condition is the same. Then in regards to the aforementioned hadith in which it states that Allah the Almighty will safeguard those from the hellfire who recite the kalima, it also proves that the reward of this lies with Allah the Almighty alone. It is not the duty of man to issue an edict regarding one who recites the kalima, whether he is a Muslim or not. Such self-issued edicts are also against the Quranic teachings as well. Nowadays, during the Islamic month of Rabiul Awal, it is common for Muslims to be commemorating Miladun Nabi, i.e. the birth of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. However, the actual thing is to adopt the teachings and the blessed example of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. One should not simply consider themselves to be a Muslim in their own view. Rather, they ought to leave the matter of one who recites the kalima with Allah the Almighty alone to judge. Because it is this that will grant happiness to the soul of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and such deeds of his ummah will become a source of joy for him. Also, alongside invoking salutations upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, we should also express our gratitude to Allah the Almighty that he has not abandoned the religion of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In fact, in accordance to his divine promise and as prophesied, Allah the Almighty has sent the promised Messiah for the revival of faith, who has taught us the true essence of adhering to the kalima and the commandments of the Sharia, so that we truly become amongst those who will be safeguarded from the hellfire. May Allah the Almighty also grant wisdom to those who reject the promised Messiah to understand this. And may Allah the Almighty also enable us to truly understand the true teachings of Islam and the true spirit of the Kalima and act accordingly. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates, In the year when the battle of Tabuk took place, we also left with the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. And the Holy Prophet peace be upon him would join the Zuhr and Asr prayers and also the Maghrib and Isha prayers. One day, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, read the prayers slightly later. He came out and led the Zuhr and Asr prayers and then returned to his residence. He then came out again and led the Maghrib and Isha prayers. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, 
that tomorrow you will inshallah reach the springs of Tabuk. To clarify, it does not mean that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led all four prayers together. Rather, he joined the Zuhr prayer with the Asr and read it at the very last moments of when Asr can be offered. And similarly, he offered the Maghrib and Isha prayer at the earliest time when the Maghrib prayer can be offered. In any case, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that tomorrow when the sun has fully risen, you will reach the spring of the book. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, estimated that they will roughly reach during the day. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated that whoever among you reaches it should not touch its water or drink from it until I arrive. The narrator states that upon arriving two individuals had already reached before us and there was a very small stream of water coming from it, almost as thin as the lace of a shoe. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked both these individuals if they had touched the water and they both replied that they had taken water from it and also drank from it. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, admonished them both asking why they had taken some water despite the fact that he had forbidden them from doing so. And he continued to say to them that which Allah willed for him to say. The narrator says that little by little people began taking water out of the spring until some water had accumulated in a bowl. There was only a small stream of water. The narrator states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then washed both his hands in the bowl and washed his face as well. Then he took the water and poured it back into the spring. In other words, he washed his face while standing by the stream and the excess water fell back into the spring. Upon this, the spring began flowing rapidly. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, washed his face and hands in the spring and the excess water fell back into the spring, what was once a light stream began to quickly flow and people were now able to drink to their fill. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, O Muad, if you live long enough, you will see this place become filled with gardens. It is stated that according to the books of Hadith, we learn that this miracle occurred when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had just arrived in Tabuk. And according to Sirat ibn Hisham, this event took place on the way back from Tabuk in a valley named Mushakkak. Similarly, Imam Malik has also mentioned this incident in his book Mota. Whilst explaining this Hadith, Muhammad bin Abdul Baqi Zarqani writes that Abu Walid Waji states that this was a prophecy which has already been fulfilled and the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him specifically mentioned Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu because he had moved to Syria and that is where he passed away. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him was informed through revelation that Hazrat Muaz would see this place and through the blessings of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him that valley would become a place full of trees and gardens. Alama ibn Abdul Bar relates that ibn Vasa states that he visited the entire area surrounding that spring and he found the lushness and greenery of its trees to the extent that perhaps it would remain so until the end of time, which was exactly as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had prophesied. It is written in Abdul Sirat al-Nabawi, that the chieftain of Tabuk said 
that until two years ago, this was overflowing for 1,375 years. Then the tube wells were dug in areas at a lower altitude, and thus the water from the spring moved towards the tube wells. After being distributed among 25 tube wells, this spring has only just dried up. Afterwards, he took us to a tube well where he saw a four-inch pipe was installed and water was flowing from it with great force without the use of any machine. We were told that the other tube wells were similar to this one. It is due only to the blessings from the miracle of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that there is such an abundance of water in Tabuk, that apart from Medina and Khaber, we have not seen as much water anywhere else. In fact, the reality is that the amount of water in Tabuk is even more than these two places. Due to this water, gardens are being planted everywhere in Tabuk, and according to the prophecy of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Tabuk is filled with gardens which continue to increase by the day. The remaining accounts from the life of Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala will be mentioned in the future sermon, inshallah. I will now lead some funeral prayers in absentia after the Friday prayer. We will also mention some details regarding them. The first is of Mulvi Farzand Khan Sahib, who was the missionary in charge of the Khurda Dunyagar district in Orisha. He was diabetic and on 10th September he was suddenly stricken by typhoid and severe pneumonia, due to which he was admitted into hospital. And it was there that he passed away according to divine decree. Inna lillahi wa inna ilahi rajiun. He was a Musi and is survived by his wife Sakina Begum, his daughter Fariha and his son Rehan. He was always at the forefront of service to the community. He was very virtuous. He took care of the missionaries and Muallameen working under him. He was kind-hearted, humble and had high moral standards and was extremely pious and sincere. He enrolled in Jamia Qadian in 1980 and graduated in 1988 and then entered the practical field. He served for 32 years with great effort, sincerity and exhibiting the true spirit of devotion. During this time, he helped people accept Islam Ahmadiyyat in various places and also established many chapters of the community. His wife, Sakina Begum Saiba, says that Mulvi Sahib used to relate that his first posting was in Haryana, where there was no official building of the community, nor were there any Ahmadis there. He would go to various places propagating the message of Islam Ahmadiyyat and establishing centers. Whilst doing this, once he ended up in the village of the Haryana province and propagated the message of Ahmadiyyat to them. A local man there said that one of their cows was unable to produce milk, and if his community was truthful, then he should blow on something and give it to him, so that his cow could drink it and produce milk. The local man said that if he was truthful and this miracle occurred, then this entire family would accept Ahmadiyyat. Mulvi Sahib said that he recited Surah Al-Fatiha Darud Sharif and said some prayers after which he blew on some water and gave it to the man, who took the water and left. Mulvi Sahib says that he spent the entire night in the village sitting under a tree, praying for Allah the Almighty to manifest this miracle as a sign for the truthfulness of the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam. Mulvi Sahib says that at the break of dawn, he saw someone coming towards him, carrying a bucket. When he looked inside the bucket, he saw that it was milk, and the person said that, Mulvi Sahib, our cow has produced milk, and in our happiness, I and my entire family have realized that the Ahmadiyya community is true and we now join this community. His son Rehan says that he was extremely humble, very kind-hearted and met everyone with great love and affection. He lived his life for the sake of the pleasure of Allah the Almighty and for the service to the community. 
He hearkened to every instruction and guidance of the Khalifa and advised us to do the same. He always treated us with kindness and love. Along with his service to the community, he would help my mother in carrying out work around the house. He further writes that he safeguarded his prayers throughout his life and ensured that we did so as well. He always advised us to tread upon the right path. All the missionaries and Mu'allimin who worked with him have all written that he was an exemplary missionary and that he was extremely kind and that they never saw him express any anger. The second funeral is of Abdullah Munsiku Sahib, who was a local missionary in Malaysia. On 7th October, he fell unconscious and was taken to the hospital, but he could not be revived and passed away that same night. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. He was 68 years of age. The deceased was a Musi and is survived by his wife and eight children. He was the father-in-law of two missionaries in Malaysia, Salahuddin Sahib and Masrur Ahmed Sahib. Abdullah Munsiku Sahib was born in the Philippines and after graduating from university, he joined the Muslim organization called Moro National Liberal Front. This organization fought against the government and its purpose was to establish an Islamic rule in the Philippines. In 1973, his parents migrated from the Philippines to Malaysia and settled in Sandak and Samba. In any case, Allah the Almighty had granted him a pure heart and the promised Messiah appeared in his dreams many times and also the second Khalifa and the third Khalifa. And according to Divine Will, he was able to attend the annual convention of Takina Ballo in 1973. Upon seeing the convention and experiencing it, it proved to be an extremely faith-inspiring event and thus he accepted Ahmadiyyat and did the bad. The area in Sandakan where he lived did not have a missionary and his soul had a thirst for knowledge. Hence, he quenched this thirst by extensively studying the community's literature. The deceased had a passion for propagating the message of Islam Ahmadiyyat. He practically implemented this passion by propagating the message of Ahmadiyyat to his friends, family and throughout his area. And as a result of his efforts, many people joined the fold of Islam Ahmadiyyat. It was due to this very passion for propagation that he dedicated his life and was then posted as a missionary. He also had the opportunity of serving in the Philippines alongside Kheruddin Maros Sahib for some time. As a result of his virtuous disposition, zeal for knowledge, humility and fear of Allah the Almighty, the deceased was able to render great service there as well. He would also debate with Christians and he brought many people into the fold of Islam. The deceased could not speak Urdu but had a great desire to learn. He had memorized many quotes and poems in Urdu. He was extremely fond of being hospitable and he would particularly tend to the hospitality of those who came for the Friday prayer. He was a man of discipline and desired for everyone to be disciplined as well. And thus he undertook the tarbiyat, i.e. the moral and spiritual training of others accordingly. And although he had difficulty walking over the past few years, but the deceased never allowed this to pose any hindrance to his work. The third funeral is of Abdul Wahid Sahib, who was a Muallim in Qadian. He passed away on 12th September at the age of 55. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. The deceased was originally from a Christian household 
and his older brother, retired teacher, was the first from his family to have the honour to accept Ahmadiyyat. His entire family then later accepted Ahmadiyyat. After accepting Ahmadiyyat, Abdul Wahid Sahib did a three-year course in Jamiatul Mubashireen and upon graduating he went to various regions to propagate the message of Islam Ahmadiyyat. He was also entrusted with the duty of Talim and Tarbiyat in various areas of Qadiyan. He was very obedient and worked with great zeal. The deceased was very skilled in the work of the bleak and it was as a result of his propagation that three Christian families and three other non-Ahmadi families in Qadiyan entered the fold of Ahmadiyyat. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, two people from among these families are also Musi, meaning that not only did they accept Ahmadiyyat, but they also excelled in virtue. He is survived by his wife, a son and two daughters, and his son graduated from Jami Ahmadiyya this year as a missionary. May Allah the Almighty elevate the station of all these deceased members and grant them all his forgiveness and mercy. May he also enable their progenies to continue on their good deeds. And may Allah the Almighty fulfill the desires which they had for the upbringing of their children. And may Allah the Almighty enable them to become true helpers of Khilafat, especially those children who are life devotees. May Allah the Almighty grant them His forgiveness and mercy. And as I mentioned earlier, that after leading the Friday prayer, I will inshallah lead the funeral prayers in absentia. Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah nahmaduhu ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله ونشهد ان محمدا الله رحمكم الله